Hello and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, it's been a freaking minute since we've done an episode. We got to apologize, but we're back and we got a good one today, Josh. I don't know how you do this. Like people must like you and I don't get it because you keep getting guests on the show and sometimes they're garbage, but sometimes they're good. And today we got a good one. So please welcome TJ Sanders, former national team setter. I mean, welcome back to the show, TJ. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Also, the energy that you bring in this intro is at another level. Wow, I just, yes, I could feel my heart rate going up. That was fantastic. Absolutely. Low great. energy while we're doing the production brief beforehand. And then just yeah. ramp up the energy. Well, Surprise, Josh. Get yeah, yourself you ready. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, um, as usual, I'm incredibly unprepared. So, Josh, I'm going to give you the opportunity to speak early in the episode, which I don't usually do. So, consider yourself lucky. But why don't you set up the episode for us, Josh, and we'll get right into it. For sure. Well, thank you for the compliment off the hop there, Garrett, because uh, if anyone's ever met my wife, I'm a classic overachiever, and that's how we got TJ. I'm not afraid to, like, reach a little bit and get people a little out of our league, Garrett, so it worked out this time as well. But uh, TJ, if you guys don't follow him on Instagram, you should. Just posting some awesome stuff and, like, deep stuff, Garrett, not just highlight reels. And the one that caught my eye was talking about uh, distribution, where, Garrett, I think you grew up in the era of set the hot hand, which meant, like, your dad was telling the setter set to me. set you every no, single that's time. That's at me. What are you about, like, the myth of sometimes coaches want even distribution where like what I say that's a myth because that's that's not how we score in our sport we want to take advantage of like what the other team doesn't do really well like on the beach we always talk about like if somebody can't do something make them do it a lot so TJ had this great post about distribution and I'm curious TJ like when you're posting stuff like I said like it's not it's not fluffy it's not highlight reels like is this stuff you battled with as a young setter that you want to pass on to the next generation because you've done some great ones uh like I said uh, we'll talk about the one that, that caught my eye first is just the concept of distribution and how to game plan yeah, I mean, I think kind of during my development, it was the it was the kind of thing where you hear a lot of cliches, right? There's a lot of these like cues coaches are going to throw at you. And kind of what I've tried to do is either debunk these cues or dig a little bit deeper, right? So setting is extremely complicated. Like at the highest level, it's like very layered, very there's a ton of sequences that all kind of ravel together. And I want to try and make that a little bit more digestible, make it like if I was talking to myself at 15, could I understand it and be able to then go apply it to my own level of play as opposed to, you know, just kind of hear a phrase and then try to execute what that means. Because I was left in the unknown a lot when I was younger, right? So it kind of came up, all right, it was forced onto me to be like, okay, you go out there and figure it out. And then it was also either counterintuitive or almost like hypocritical sometimes where it would be like, okay, we need this even distribution, but then you don't set Garrett May on, on game point and you get the coaches upset. Right. And then you're kind of like, well, wait, 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 but what are you, what are you wanting from me? Right. You're kind of giving me both sides of it where I think my, my kind of overarching goal is to try and talk about it and bring light to the fact that things are more complicated than they seem and kind of baseline cliches aren't going to really help us improve and develop and just starting to talk about these big topics are going to help us eventually get to the, to the space I want us to be because I look at I mean Canada in general but even North America we're not very sophisticated when we talk about setting or running an offense or what that looks like um, especially in the more like developmental stages and I would kind of reference that back to my progress as well was I wasn't really coached. There was definitely like moments where I got good insight and there's a bunch of great coaches I played for, but pretty much all of them were left sides or middles who were talking about, hey, if I was trying to block against a setter, this is what I would think, but not actually coming from the lens of a setter and one that has tried to 
sequence in an international game. So it's kind of where it comes from, where it stems from. I mean, I mean, top level answer right there, TJ. And I mean, Josh, if this is the kind of quality guest you're going to be bringing, I mean, keep doing it, please, because the show quality needs to improve. And I know, Josh, I'm just looking at you. You're smiling. You're beaming over there because you're so ready to nerd out with TJ on all this stuff. You're looking at his <laughs> posts. You're getting so hype. You're like, oh, this is gold. I love this stuff. OK, because this is exactly. Yeah, exactly. OK, but TJ, I think this is how this conversation is going to go, listener. OK, Garrett's going to say something crazy. Josh is going to be like, no, no, no. And TJ is going to ride the fence because he's got a pretty healthy view on these things. Okay. So if we ever deviate from that, you got to call us out in the comments below. But um, I think that's honestly a great goal, TJ, because I get super frustrated when I see coaches and I see people just be very bad at coaching setters. I think even like the bar is pretty low. Like if you're a club coach, say, or even a university coach, like, you know, are you coaching the next national team setter? No. I mean, if you are, then, I mean, we got to raise the bar, but we're just trying to get better. I think across the board, we don't do it that well. So uh, it's great to hear that you're, you know, you're trying to bridge that gap for people. I think it's a noble goal and one where there's a huge gap, especially in Canadian volleyball. I think just generally we haven't been, we don't have a swath of like highly intelligent setters. we got a lot of physical dudes, a lot of guys with great hands, but like, are, are we really that cerebral with it across the board? I would say no. I think that's a fair comment. And I think that also stems from the fact that there's no professional league here, right? There's no, there's not some 40 year old wizard who's been playing forever that everybody's watching on TV, right. And trying to figure out what they're doing. It's kind of just, it kind of peaks and dies at your, the end of your club season. Right. And then maybe yeah. now you catch a couple games on VNL, but a lot of times too, if you're the distance between, you know, a 15 year old setter and then watching the world championships final, you don't really know what's going on there anyway. Right, like you're not really yeah. able to bridge that yourself, or at least kind of understand what they're trying to do. Um, and we could talk about that later as well. But I, I think that's a fair comment, just in the fact that, and and I mean, America's the same way. A lot of their like lineage of setters is kind of like physical guys, great athletes, but it might not come down to the guys that are manipulating a game at the at the highest level. Versus you go to, you know, I've kind of used this example all the time. I still remember my first time when I went, and I think I was with. I think it was with FTC. We went to like Argentina and we were playing like random club, like pro club teams down there that weren't even like the top in Argentina. And these setters were like these magicians doing crazy things that I'd never seen. And they've never played on the national team and they're not like the top dudes. And I'm like, okay, well, whoa. So this is like a 25 year old Argentinian who's, you know, Argentina is a good national team. Don't get me wrong, but they're not the best in the world. And he's not even one of their setters. Yeah. You know what's going on here and that was there was more than one of those types of players especially nice. in like south american volleyball so so take us through then let's let's get into it a little bit because i can tell josh is super eager over there he doesn't even need to say anything i can tell him just chomping at the bit he's, he feels like he's coaching indoor now he wants all the juice over there so josh mentioned it early and i can tell he's dying he wants <laughs> to know so i mean i think the, the most common thing that a lot of people would deal with is that kind of uh the hypocritical nature of what often we say as coaches so like hey we got to spread the offense. Oh, we got to establish middle. But then, you know, you got to go to the outsides. Or, okay, no, we need to spread it out. Oh, but, you know, you got to set the guy who's scoring and just go to that guy until it does. But why aren't you spreading the offense? So, how do we as a community kind of bridge that gap um, to kind of get better at that and really start to understand, like, okay, this is complicated and what we do in each situation maybe needs to be different? Or um, how, do we even, how do we even begin? Yeah, well, I think from the very beginning, it just comes down to even if you're like a 14 or 15 year old setter, if I was their coach, I would just say, hey, like, why did you do that? Hmm. Like, what was the point of that? And what was the point of that for this point and for this set and for this match? Like, what role did that decision make 
in all of that, right? right? Because I think it's also a kind of classic thing in coaching setting or looking at setters is hindsight is always 2020, right? Like it's so easy to watch a game and go, oh, why would they set that person? Or what was that decision? Where if you could evaluate the matches and the game plan and everything leading up to that, it might've been the perfect decision, yet the execution maybe wasn't what they actually were hoping for. And I think it comes down to more kind of creating a autonomous setter who feels comfortable making decisions and taking risk with those decisions to eventually start to layer in what they actually mean and how you're actually going to create an offense that can win you matches versus win you points. So, so I watch a few of your clips. Yeah. You seem like a pretty nice guy, TJ. You're not grilling these guys. If it were me, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> why, why did you do that? What were you thinking there? What are you <laughs> putting the pressure on? I mean, we got to obviously avoid that. I, well, I just think it comes down to if, and, I, and again, it's, it's pretty easy for me because I just kind of ended my career to reflect on, okay, what was going on and where was I able to make these kind of jumps and strides in my career and what was confusing and what kind of became a barrier. And one of the things was definitely like, hey, why'd you do like getting upset with somebody? Because I got, there was definitely a long period for me, especially early on, whether it be with like the national team or even pro clubs where I'm the young guy, right? I'm like 23 mm -hmm. or something like that on the team. So it's pretty easy to go, okay, he probably doesn't really have the experience. It's like another cliche that, oh, you know, as a setter, you hit your prime at like 38. And if you're 23 trying to do your thing, you don't really know what you're talking about, which, I mean, there's some validity in that in the sense that experience pays off a lot for a setter and it's easier to take in more information when you've done it for 15 years versus mm -hmm. two. But I do also think that I was challenged a lot in my decision-making, especially early on. So I got quite competent at defending myself. But I would say there was on the tinge of I became defensive. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're going to challenge that. Well, let me walk you through why I did all of this and yeah. let me explain setting to you. <laughs> you know, it was kind of one of those things. So as a coach, I also don't think that's that effective to put your player in that state, yeah. right? Because then all of a sudden I'm challenging the coach as opposed to challenging the other team versus if I'm just sincerely curious why you made that decision and what role it plays. Because also there are decisions that are made. Like that's why I also find it difficult to evaluate international setters on how like the game that they run or they mm -hmm. ran. Let's say I just watched a game to actually evaluate what was going on because I don't fully, I don't have the whole picture, right? Right. I don't know what their game plan was. I don't know how the blocking system adjusted to that. I don't know what was going on. Sure, I know that this guy had high percentages. I know that their middle was scoring. I know that they passed well. Okay, but I don't know what the overall plan right. is, so I can't accurately evaluate how they executed that plan. Gosh, man. Are you just nerding out over there, Josh? Look at well, you. Well, where my mind's going, Garrett, if you're not going to do it, I'll play the pessimist card where we've had like Zane or Tom Soros, like good U sports setters on the show. And they always talk about, you know, distribute the ball and all, all the cliches. But then, Garrett, when we look at the score sheet, sure enough, like Hamish will get 46 attempts. And it's like, sorry, you just <laughs> said you were going to move the ball around. But sure enough, you overloaded. So, TJ, where, where is the art of distribution where like you, you grew up in the Canadian system where Dustin Snyder told me when he was on the show, like everyone in the gym knew Gavin was going to get the ball. But where is the art of getting like that middle, that one in six attempts and they're like, so they still yip on the 30, right? And the other team still has to protect it. Like, I'm sure like every team has the guy who's going to get the volume, but how do you still get them one-on-ones or find those opportunities for them to score when, when you do have a Garrett May and like I said, everybody in the gym knows they're going to get the most volume, but where does the art of that come in? Well, I think that's, I mean, that's the whole part of it. That is the chess game of how you're actually kind of creating something because you know, let's say like world championships just ended and the, and the women's world championships is on right now. 
if you're going into a tournament like like the World Championships, all of your decisions impact your entire tournament, right? So let's say you've got a guy like Garrett May or Gavin Schmidt that you know is going to get a lot of volume. Well, there's a few things you have to consider. One is can they get 70 sets a game for 11 games or something like that? That might be too much volume. I like Second that you're grouping might... me and him together. That's a positive <laughs> yeah, that's right. for my that's ego. Right, yeah. So yeah, it does, it's clickbait it's, stuff. I'm trying two to equal indoor players right there. Yeah. And also at the same time, it's the kind of thing where every decision that you make, every team is watching, right? So they're aware of that. So it, it literally is this kind of pendulum of there are going to be moments where you feed that guy a lot. And there's going to be moments where everybody thinks you're going to feed that guy. And that's where you kind of, it's kind of like a, a bait and switch kind of thing, right? Is you're kind of showing them something and using something else. And that's the, that's the whole gimmick in the whole game layered into the fact that each country you play will have a blocking system, right? Like maybe the, they're American and they're super disciplined and they want to read all the time. So you can kind of exploit some gaps or they're France and they really rely on their backcourt defense. So they commit a lot and it's a little bit easier to manipulate things. That kind of plays into the fact where, okay, how much volume am I giving this guy? What is this blocking system? And how does this play in the long-term impact of my decision in the, over the tournament? So and I would say, go ahead, go ahead, Garrett. But man, what you've said now just is defending those guys, giving them the out, saying that, yeah, I set this guy 50 times, but those 12 I set the other two guys were the most strategic times to do that. And it's like, okay, well, I guess... I guess not on an individual match, no, but maybe, uh, hey, maybe the tournament, it was his turn. Like, I don't like giving these guys an out, TJ. As wise as your comments are, we cannot let these guys off the hook just selfishly. Yeah, yeah, but my comment to that would be, I mean, ultimately our goal and our purpose as a setter is to win the game. So if you've got a guy that's going to win you the game, if you set him every ball, set him every ball, win the game. Go win the Olympic gold medal if you just ride Gavin to an Olympic gold medal. But at the same time, if that guy's going to break down, if whatever's going to happen, you got to use other pieces. Now, I enjoyed, I mean, my favorite games to play are ones where you're just like puppeteering the opponent's block and they don't really know where they're going and it's all over the place. And it's at the end of the game, you can literally set anywhere. If you can set anywhere and you've manipulated the blockers, like any of the four options, okay, you have run a great offense. Right, so whether you set your big guy, they're still a little bit confused with that, or you run the middle, they're still a little bit confused with that. That's where you want to be, and that's a difficult thing to get to. But ultimately, my job is to go in and win the game. And I, I, if they're winning all their games when they're saying that, then they're doing their job. Hmm. So it's about winning, Josh. So we'll have to go back and review the tape and and check the wins on those <laughs> because it, hey, I guess what that means is if you have a great, if you win. You had a great set distribution. You set. Right. You had a great distribution that game. We won. You can't argue with me. I won, and I actually I support that because <laughs> that was what I was a part of a lot. Was yeah, share the ball, but really share it where it needs to be shared. Actually, is where you want to be getting it. So yes. <laughs> the only other setting nerd question I had for you, TJ, was how important is it to get like your P two and in system set? Like, I think it's so tempting when like it's one or two passes and you kind of give them <clears throat> Never. the high ball stuff. <laughs> like, if you are the P two on Garrett's team, is it important in them in those whatever the data volley language, those plus plus pass situations no. to give them bo no. a bone there, or do you just kind of talk to them about like their role is you know pass and play defense, and they'll they'll get what they get, but they're not going to get a plus plus because we're going to run our, our middle pipe or we're going to find Garrett. Like, yeah. what, what are those situations to make them feel valued? Well, I, I think 
how that kind of would work in the like ecosystem of an offense would be I want the opponent to be so concerned about everything else that they're basically giving your P2 free points. Right? Like I want my middle pipe attack, I want my opposite to be scoring so efficiently that in a plus plus situation, I'm gonna set my P2, they're gonna get half a block. And at the international level, even if you're a P2, you gotta be able to score a half block. You know, like it's not you're still out there to score points at times, right? Like it's not, but I would say it, it, that's definitely a part of the game. And there will be certain ways that you can do that. Like there are some P2s that maybe <clears throat> you're doing more in transition and you're running super fast stuff and they're throwing a lot. Or they're, they are like the guy that you can rely on to set them high balls and they'll just chip it off the block and recycle. Even if they're, that is their role, that's another way to get them involved. It doesn't mean that you have to get them these epic opportunities where they're bouncing balls. Because again, like that's a cool thing too as you watch the progression of the game go from like club volleyball to university volleyball to professional volleyball, when you reach the top, everybody there, it's their job, right? So if you're a P2 and you're not getting the ball, you kind of got to get over yourself, right? Like if you're not scoring, then you're not going to get the ball, which means likely you're not going to play or you're going to get dropped by the club or whatever it is. But that is ultimately your job is to be there. Now, my job as, set, as a setter, like I said, is to win games and a way to perhaps elevate my P2's serving efficiency or even passing or blocking is to get them good opportunities where they're able to score. So it's like that balance between, okay, how much do they actually get so that I can help them get better? And are they able to take the responsibility on of, you know, you have a job to do. Okay, so I'm seeing really what happened here is Josh brought you on because he wanted to level up his setting coaching here, and he's just getting pure gold out of DJ Sanders' mouth here. So it's a bit selfish by you, Josh. So, I mean, and TJ, could you just, you're just giving us the just solid advice right now. And I mean, it's a little bit too clean for this show. I mean, it's sharp cuts. Gosh, man, you're just so, so <coughs> wise in your wordage. Like, what have you, I mean, geez, it's like you're better than the last time you were here. <laughs> well, it's funny because I actually have been having to refine this a little bit, it's easier when you're in it, like when I'm competing with the national team, to not have a super precise way to describe what I'm doing, right? Because you just go and do it. It's like the classic super good athlete goes, becomes a coach and can't really coach. And they're just like, do it like this. But watch me do it. Like learn, right? But now I'm kind of thinking about, okay, what would I actually want to hear if I was a, a younger athlete? Or, or even just like to what, where can I impact setting in North America the most or like what needs to be changed or said or what needs to kind of be brought into the discussion. Well, I do have a gripe, Garrett. I do have one bone to pick here about about setters. And even you just mentioned USA and Canada. Now that Garrett and I are coaching indoor again, I, I'm sick of the copycat uh, effect that I think uh, we just talked about this before the show. Benjo's doing such a great job and he's such a charismatic guy that he's got this new offense, CJ, and it's laser fast. But at the youth sports and CCAA level, we now have teams trying this and they don't have the horses or they don't have the time or they just don't have the ability. But if I go to one more exhibition game and it's just a bunch of uh, middle pipe airs, I, I think I'm going to leave the gym, Garrett. Like, it's just not that entertaining of volleyball. You, you should every, leave the gym. No, yeah, you, you just you, get up and walk. No, yeah. you should leave the gym. <laughs> but anyways, Garrett, the gripe is this copycat style where now everybody wants to run this Team Canada system where Garrett's been really hard on the guys. You know, we only won two games at VNL. We only won one game at Worlds. Like, it, it, why are we copycatting? I've been, yeah, I've been hard on the guys. For sure. I've been hard on the guys. Yeah, like, is that our system? Middle pipe? Like, what? Like a lot, like it's not only the copycat, Josh, but like the wrong copycat too, you know, like, like the, like, okay, 
now we got to do, we got to go all in on this, you know, like not understanding the intricacies of these things as well. Like I, I agree. Like you see a guy step over the line and crush the pipe into the bottom of the net. You're kind of going, really? Is this, is this, and then is he this looks at the center and goes higher, higher. And he's higher. <laughs> oh, was I too early there? Man, man, like, come on. TJ, you got to help us out here, wade through these depths, because I think we're getting to, a little bit beyond ourselves here. I've chirped the national team a little bit for the system and, and putting pressure on the team to win now. Um, and Josh has said, oh, no, that's the system. But now you're pissed that everybody's doing the system, Josh. Well, they're what coming the hell, without understanding it, Garrett. Like, I've talked to a few U Sports setters, and they're talking about, like, you run the middle pipe whenever you can, Garrett, because it's the most efficient thing. And, and volleyball is about scoring points. So why wouldn't you want to be more efficient? Well, if you look at your stats or, or your practice video, we're not efficient at running the middle pipe. So it's kind of one of those dilemmas, TJ, of, like, we're not very good now. Are we going to get good by March of this year when nationals are going to get good by, like, November when league starts? Like, how much time do you invest in this? Just because Benjo says, oh, yeah, run, run the middle pipe as much as possible. Never stop running the middle pipe if it's there well i also think if that becomes like the the paradigm of your offense in u sports i would be doing the opposite because obviously teams are going to be used to playing against that and they're going to want to play against that it's a classic thing where you look at i mean that was the fun part as well playing internationally even like in different pro leagues is there's different styles of volleyball like it's played differently in canada or especially from my experience let's say like when i was in university or something like that we're all playing the same volleyball Right. Sure. Some guys touch a little higher. Some guys serve a little harder. Maybe you're running the middle a little bit more. <clears throat> but the style of volleyball, the game of volleyball is the same. But you watch Japan play Russia or Iran play Argentina or USA play Poland. Those are all very different styles. They they've have completely different systems that they're creating and they've created and built up. And I think that's what you're kind of trying to see. The objective is for Canada to do the same thing. Right. So we were super systematic back in my day, like early my day. It was almost like rigid, like computerized in a way. And that was our way that it's like, hey, maybe we can get a point here or there by being like very systematic. Then Steph came along and it's like, hey, we got to get more creative. He's bringing a little bit more of like the French system and the French culture of volleyball into our game, which is exactly what we needed. World League bronze medal. But now we're trying to build another system, which I think is important, right? Like you're trying to innovate in a way that gives you advantages over opposing countries. It is hard to, yeah, I don't know where you draw the line with, okay, our national team is doing this. So everybody in the country has to buy in. And if you're failing, that's still okay. Right? Like at some point there has to be a logic mind in there saying, okay, you know what? Or like, this isn't a sound argument because we've lost 10 games in a row and our middle efficiency is terrible. Okay. Should we go away from that? How can we, or how can we make it more efficient? Is it just trying to run it more and more and more or is it by doing reps and reps and reps or is it by changing it so right? maybe you're go ahead Yair. let's narrow in at because you said something very interesting there when you said you guys had a very rigid system and then in the relief period from that when you said steph came in and brought kind of the the french style you make you guys a little bit more creative we had a, a, a kind of a boost of success in that time and i'm kind of curious is he coming in and bringing in he's not saying hey we're going to change this whole system is he coming in and saying hey here is what you're doing we're not, we're not going to reinvent the wheel here but here's what we're going to do to make it work a little bit more for us because i feel like maybe that's the thing is where we see this oh do this but how does this work for us 
uh, kind of has to be the mentality for me anyways. And in, in what I'm doing is like, yeah, okay, middle pipe is great, but do, how does middle pipe work for us? If it doesn't, then we need to maybe rethink. And if it does, how does it? So I'm kind of curious in your experience, was that what it was or was it, no, I'm coming in and doing this whole new thing and that brought on the success? Yeah, it was very much we had a system that was embedded in all of us and then it was kind of creating some freedom within that system, right? It wasn't like we abandoned what we were doing. Yeah. It was just we kind of took it and we elevated it a little bit, which I think you could do the same thing. You could still abide by the principle of, okay, middle pipe is what we want, but also follow the pattern of the game and acknowledge that it's not efficient right now. And how can we still win knowing that that's what we want and we want a highly effective and efficient middle and we want to run it a lot, but we also want to win the game or we want to elevate our entire offense or something like that. So it sounds like, Josh, what we've discussed here, and it's great insights from TJ, that really your gripe is not with the system. It's with the coaches. It's with all those idiots out there who just pick it up blindly and do the same thing, just thinking it'll help bring them success by doing this, rather than putting in the work to actually gel it with what you've got on your team. I think, Garrett, we've talked about that on the show. If people want to go back in the archives, I mean, we're only on episode like 60-something. They have time to go back. But I think that's the fun of coaching club volleyball, where I have my team, you have your team, and we're going to figure out what's the best, where I think for some reason it got really attractive in youth sports that you want to send the most amount of players to the national team. And how do you do that? Well, you get them playing the national team system. Or when Glenn was really well organized, TJ, he shared so much with coaches that like I think all of youth sports was using his language. Like, this is a black set, this is a red set, that I think people feel so connected, where, Garrett, we've lost that art a little bit of like, okay, we don't have these middles, but we're just going to run a 30-based offense and we're going to give our right side as many opportunities to get one-on-ones or whatever it is because you that's your point score, right? I think we've lost a little bit of that in the last few years of eSports because, uh, again, the national team is so impressive and they're so willing to share that it's just so easy to be like, oh, let's just use their, do their system versus, okay, maybe Sask has a different system than UBC and let's see them play against each other and see who wins. Or maybe Western's going to run a little bit more of a high ball where the rest of the university is trying to set this laser beam the pin because that's international volleyball like i think you kind of got to know your roster and know how points are being scored in your gym sometimes so generally we maybe the jury is still out on this kind of middle pipe focused style and how it can be successful i mean it hasn't for our men's program so far i I mean i would say i don't know if that's an unfair statement of me to make um but i mean we haven't had success um but as that relates to all the other levels of volleyball like, you know, it, it would be very different. So we can't, like, judge necessarily that style against how it works for everybody, right? Well, I think the sample size is a little bit bigger than the national team because Benjo was doing this with Trinity as well. Like, it's a way faster with the national team, but Trinity over the last decade, i say, was it was probably a middle pipe-based offense. And when you have a Jackson Howe and Eric Lepke mandate, it looked pretty sexy at times the way they were running it, right? So, sexy. Oh, yeah. Like... Jackson Josh Howe was a really special, middle pipe. really, <laughs> really special middle where like you, Benjo was so good about like the highlight videos on Mondays, Gary, where you just log in and watch the highlight reels or even like if you go back on YouTube, watch Ben Ball's highlight videos, like the separation and the gap covered and stuff. Like I, I think there was a Whoa, lot of other teams. There's no hyping another setter when we've got TJ on the show. Okay, <laughs> yeah. go back and watch TJ's hype right video. Now? We could get him on if you need. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, geez. I, I think the copycat started before that, Gary, because like Trinity has been so good for so long that I think people trying to figure out what are they doing differently and they tried to copy it again versus just saying what's the Laval system or what's our system and can we like beat it with our guys 
Yeah. I, I, my comment on all that would also be, like, I do think it's important that U Sports is kind of used as a little bit of like a litmus test of what is possible and what we can use, especially with Canadian athletes. Because, again, we're at a disadvantage that we don't have a professional league where if all of your athletes are playing for this professional league and they're all testing out different systems and you have this championship run and one team wins, you can evaluate, okay, what were they doing that made them successful? There are athletes. So, oh, okay, well, in the Italian league, they did this and they won. Our Italian guys were doing this. Okay, when they go back with the national team, you can kind of use that a little bit to your advantage versus, and there's kind of two points to that where, I think having a variety in U sports is important because it can create, I mean, innovation has to happen and doing the kind of copycat thing is obviously saying goodbye to that and negating that a little bit. But on the flip side, it is also a way to test, okay, is this system actually something that can work on principle, not just per athlete, not just per Jackson Howe and Eric Lepke. Okay, if we take this system and we apply it to all of U sports, in theory, they should all become more efficient in their in the way they do things, right? Now, obviously, it comes down to like an execution question where maybe it is more of an international style thing. And obviously, Trinity had the guys that could do it. But it kind of does raise the question where if you bring a system and you apply it to a bunch of teams and it makes them all less efficient, it raises the question of what does that mean about the system? Like, how does that tie into the efficacy of the system? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have any university coaches listening but if we do i mean you know take all this in think about it uh i don't know that we're gonna have a, a club team a 14u team looking to run a middle pipe uh system but if you are i mean take all this into account so um josh i think are we ready to move on to everybody's favorite segment or should we hold on that I think I'm ready. I got through all my selfish questions. That's basically why we run the show, Garrett, is for me to ask questions. No, I knew form. that, but I, it's good to hear you acknowledge it. So oh, let's sure. move on to everybody's favorite segment. It's Players of the Week and Clowns of the Week. And I mean, in natural fashion, I am highly underprepared. So I think in weeks where I'm very underprepared, I think I should go first in case I pick something obvious that you guys picked so that I look better because I said it first. So nice. selfishly, I'm going to go first and maybe give TJ some time to get prepared. So... Uh, for my player of the week, I got to give the, the obvious out of the way. I mean, the women's indoor national team is in the world championships right now. They're still in it. I know as of recording, they did just lose a match, but they were at a few wins there, Josh. They have more wins than the men's team did. Am I safe in saying that? I can successfully say, I, I got to be careful with what I say, Josh, because I don't want to be spitting falsehoods here. So they already have more win than the, wins than the men. Yes. Confirmed. So, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, hey, women, it's been a while since we've been able to say, hey, feel it, dudes, like we're kicking your butts. So congrats to them. I know they got lost, but hopefully we can get some more wins. And I mean, I don't often say this, but good friend of mine, Jen Cross, captain of the national team, we had her on the show. I mean, she has a comment here in the Volleyball Source media release, so, or in the Volleyball Canada. So, I mean, congrats to, uh, to them for being relevant and hopefully it keeps going. So players of the week, Team Canada Women's Volleyball. So. Hopefully that was a low-hanging fruit, Josh. So I, I, I don't know. Do you want to go first or do you want to throw it to TJ? Uh, I'll, I'll take it just in case he takes mine. But uh, in, in you know, knowing the show, Garrett, I thought player of the week was a player, not necessarily a team. I think you, No, come of, on, though. But we yeah. – no, stop it. But you know it's not. <laughs> wow. 
Garrett's so, pretty innovative, though. So I mean, I so yeah, I'll I'll just add on to yours, I guess. Uh, Kira Van Rijk, Garrett, uh, is absolutely crushing it, and, and it's fitting because we have a setter on the show talking about distribution, and you know, you gotta you gotta move the ball <laughs> around, you gotta do all this stuff. No, she's getting over. I think her average. Uh, I'll I'll look it up. It's 18 points a match, Garrett. She's 24, I think, is her her highest. And the other thing, Garrett, is she's not like I think she's only got three block slams and six aces. So 122 of these points are all kills. So again, just a player where everybody in the gym knows she's going to get a ton of volume. She's getting it done. They're winning a lot of games. They're into the second round as we're recording this. Like Kira Van Rijk is absolutely crushing it for Canada. Definitely uh, one of our world-class players, Garrett, that I think if, if you don't have a Kira Van Rijk jersey yet, the young listeners, go get one because she's definitely a superstar we have right now. Okay, and how I do think, we get Garrett, one? We, we have to appreciate her because if she leaves, we, we can't get used to this. We can't get used to having a world-class player like this. That's my line, Josh. <laughs> that when we're good, it's not normal, so we should celebrate it. Okay, I got to say, though, if she's killing it, Come on, who's interviewing these people? Where's the quote from her? Like, it, there's no, they're, they're asking Jen Cross, they're asking the coach, they're, but they're not asking her, who is apparently killing it. Like, let's go, media. Let's get, so let's get a give, quote from her. You got to give Jen her credit. Jen's been there through the program. She's seen it grow. She's been a big part of it. But uh, Kira's fifth in tournament scoring right now, Garrett. So I think she deserves the player of the week right now. No, I agree. I'm saying they didn't get a quote from her, Josh. What do you mean? And I gave Jen credit. What are you talking about? Where's the quote for the, <laughs> Josh for the media? Josh take that credit back and give it to her and just be like, hey, Jen, I got your back. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but like I if you just say-, say I didn't say that. doesn't. I did say it. We just heard it. <laughs> well, if you and Jen are so close, maybe she can come on the show and, and just stand up for herself and really describe yeah, it. Yeah, we're not that close. Yeah, we're not that close. <laughs> but I would say they do, likely, after every game, the captain and the coach have to go to a press conference. And they just get sound bites that are typically pretty generic and, you know. Yeah. So maybe a pre-clown of the week is that setup because, I mean, let's 100%. get the stars in there and the press conference as well. But, yeah. hey, that's just me. Because if it were me, I wouldn't have been the captain. And I would have been like, no, you want to interview me? Don't interview the captain. But that's selfish. Okay. But, though, the star does get the where there's, like, the sponsors in the background. You're still in the stadium giving the interview. Everybody's listening. That's a little bit cooler, but you're not, like, the sound bite for – the Volleyball Canada website afterwards. So it's a give and take, you know? You know what, though? That's maybe better, TJ. It's, it's definitely better. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, like that's, that's maybe want. cooler. Because the soundbite, nobody needs this it? except no. losers yeah. like me. So, true. Uh, and they're you know pretty what? generic typically. It's like, you know what? We, we, we served really well. We got it done. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you're Our talking about was three good. hour game. Yeah, pass, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So. Okay. Well, a couple of couple of players of the week from Team Canada Women's Volleyball. I mean, great by us, Josh. Great minds, I guess. So, DJ, are you going to complete the hat trick with another player of the week from that team? Because well, we're on a roll. Now that I'm looking at it, like you couldn't have picked the lower hanging fruit. But I do want to before I get <laughs> before I get into mine. I do think they deserve to really be hyped up right now. So they lost today to Turkey. I just watched the game when I when I got home from school there. And they were up in, I think, every set. Like, they had opportunities to close out every set, like, after 20. And Turkey is a very high-level team. They were playing really well. It wasn't like Turkey wasn't playing well. And we were, like, a couple points here and there after 20. It was 3-0, but it, I don't think that really gives you the, the full picture of the game. It was a tight game. Yeah. And I think that they're at the point where, like, any game, they can go out and win. And I think that that's something that's definitely got to be celebrated. And I think... They're still not out. They can still move on from this pool too. And they're playing at a level that, that like you guys were saying, it's like Kira is playing at a level of one of the best players in the world. Like she's an amazing attacker, amazing server. She obviously showed that in VNL. If she finds that here in World Champs, it'll be, it'll be deadly. Um, I'll give them a bunch of props. But 
And I don't know if, again, now Garrett went for a team, so I don't know if you team. But Poland did just sweep the U.S. 3-0 in women's. Reigning Olympic champions. They're kind of on a big run. We also watched some clips of that game. It was pretty impressive. They had an absurd amount of blocks. Their blocking lineup is gigantic. So my... I guess team of the week. The player would of the be... week. He, we, listen, grammatically, it doesn't need to make sense. Okay, fantastic. My player of the week will be Canada because I'm loyal and patriotic to a point that it is, you know. But Poland deserves a runner up uh, consultation ribbon for their performance uh, against the US winning 3 0. Well, that's awesome. So thanks for actually bringing some intelligent commentary. I mean, the, the <laughs> level of intelligence in those players of the week, I think, rose slowly from person to person. And uh, I'm glad we went with TJ last, Josh, because now I I look way, way less bad. Still bad, but way less bad. And I also love TJ's comment, we couldn't have picked the, any lower-hanging fruit. Like, the lowest of the low-hanging fruit was picked. And, I mean, yes. So And you made, you made your point, too, going, no, let me go first. And then Josh was like, oh, let me pick a player from that team. And then I was left with... Nothing. Poland. <laughs> <laughs> left with nothing. That's what we do to the guests here. We, so let's see how we do on Clown of the Week. I think we're going to be a little bit more varied on the Clown of the Week. And I think I'll go first as well. Um, because, again, my, my, I'm having a week... You know, I need, we maybe need to debrief this episode, Josh, and just talk about my performance and kind of reevaluate. But let's get into Clowns of the Week. So... I recently was in Toronto for a month. Um, if you saw the last episode, I was in Toronto. So I did a trip home and I participated in some volleyball. Uh, Josh mentioned we're both helping out. Helping out with Douglas College here in uh, in Vancouver, uh, just a little bit. So I happened to be in town, so I went to watch a match. And guess who's refing the game against UFT? It's friend of the show, referee Dimitri. And so, I mean, shout out to Dimitri. Refed a great game. I mean, awesomely refed game. No issues there. It was terrible volleyball, but not his fault. But after the game, comes up to me and says, "Hey, bud, you're 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 pl- you're pretty weak on sharp cuts these days. You're not doing your you're not talking hosier. You're not chirping that much these days." And I went, "What, man? What? <laughs> like, like, harsh? Like I come here and you're just gonna chirp me full out?" So I mean, here I'm throwing it back at you, Meech. Clown of the week to you, bud, for not being more focused and celebrating me when we come there, eh? So you give me the right stuff when I come. You don't get clown of the week, you get player of the week. So over to you, Meech, for clown of the week. I mean, it's a ref, too. I'm going, I mean, and calling by name, he's probably going to be pissed. So um, not apologizing, though. So clown of the week, referee Dimitri, for chirping me hard in Toronto, man. I leave for a year and now everybody hates me. What the heck, Josh? What love for the kid. Jeez. All right. Who's next? Should we should we let D go, TJ go we last? We should let again? TJ go first. Thomas. Well, I feel like the clown of the week is really just you could pick anything you want, and my clown yes. of the week is going to be partially. Um, you got two. We're I, down for two. We're calling no, 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 as many people gonna, as you it's want. It's going to be one, but it's also kind of like I found it funny, and I just want to more bring up the situation that because it's funny, and but they'll be the clown of the week. So, and I'm likely going to get some names wrong here because I'm not a uh, aficionado of the AVP. Beach Waddle Tour. But I saw, so the Taylors, who I played against like a bunch junior team and then kind of A team and stuff like that over the years, they're having like their run and they win their semifinals. And I'm pretty sure AVP makes a, a comment like they're going to the finals. Could they get their first tournament win of the year? Right? So they're in the Phoenix finals. I think it was what? like. So sorry, let's eight? get some more contacts. The Taylors. So that is Taylor. Taylor is- Sander, Taylor Crab. Crab. Crab and Sander, Taylors. AVP. Okay, I'm I'm with you. 
AVP is yeah the American. I don't know. I don't know the actual. Yeah, what is it? What is, what is it, TJ? What's the AVP? I was say the American Beach Volleyball League, but that was like American well, Volleyball Professionals. I think it is, but I don't know. Comment down below if we're wrong. Job there too. Anyway, um, so they didn't win a tournament this year. Taylor Sander made his switch from indoor volleyball to beach volleyball, so they didn't win a tournament. A bunch of second places, like they're putting up good results and stuff like that, but they couldn't get a win. And then they go to the Phoenix Finals, which. Wow, I don't know why I'm blanking on this, but I think it was six teams went? Six or eight? Anyway. It was six. It was an interesting format. It was six. It was six. Okay. Yeah. So it's six. And they win their semifinal matchup. And AVP makes a, a post and a comment saying, um, could they get their first tournament win of the year? And Theo Bruner, who I think they had just lost to, like the Taylors just beat them, writes, whoa, 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 whoa. This doesn't count as like a real tournament because they're six teams or whatever it is. And I remember reading that comic going, oh, that's kind of spicy. That's interesting. Um, so I don't know who my clown is going to be out of that. It's either going to be the AVP for making that comment, or it's going to be Theo, or it's going to be me for the fact that it's likely an inside joke between somebody, and I'm reading into it as a fan of the game now, as a retired indoor volleyball player. Um, but I think somewhere in there, I found it funny. I found it like kind of off cue, and it was, yeah, it was good. Well, I'll double down on Brunner. Like, Theo, man, you you lose. He lost, and then posts. It's not a real tournament. Like the ultimate <laughs> salty comment after you lose. Like, well, no, I wasn't trying, or oh, this didn't mean anything. Like, what? No, like it's their just because their first win of the year. Yeah, like any win. Like, come on. And it's the finals. Like, it's the one uh, that's got the biggest grand prize winnings. It's like, you got to make it to get into the, it's it. It's not a real win, though. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I'm really hoping that, like, behind the scenes, there's, like, it was a hilarious inside joke or, like, a right. dare or something like that. Because that would be hilarious and turn me into the clown. But I also did. I thought it was, I thought it was enough and worth mentioning, so. Yeah, well, that's a great one, TJ. Way to bring some research and some intelligence to this show and reference the beach to a couple of beach guys who haven't talked about beach at all this episode. So, like, really elevating the level of the show here. And, yeah, Theo Brunner, I mean, he's big enough. He'd be a big clown of the week. Maybe our tallest clown of the week ever. So, um, And yeah. a, like, pretty epic volleyball player <laughs> to be a clown yes. of the week. That's a good, you know. Wow, hey, we've had some pretty big clowns of the week. So, okay, Josh, I'm you've built it up now. Now you're last, so I, it better be good. I haven't built it up. I, I would like to build on TJ's point there. The AVP Garrett, they're doing some entertaining stuff. Like they have the Never Trevor hashtag that they don't want Trevor Crab to win finals because he's like the villain and that takes off. Or uh, <laughs> Taylor Crab got in like a big shouting match with John Hyden, but it wasn't like a center court game, so the camera's just at the back. But he went on Sandcast and explained like what the trash talk was, and it was hilarious stuff, Garrett. Where like John scored on like a cut shot, and he's just like, "Hey, where were you on that one?" And Taylor's like, "Well, actually, we were blocking line, and I was standing in the angle, John. Like, I don't know what you wanted me to do there, but it was just funny to hear like what the." The actual conversation was and why it got so heated so the avp is actually doing some entertaining stuff unlike the fiv who's just kind of a gentleman's game but that's not who my clown of the week is this week garrett uh garrett i don't know if you paid attention to the norseka last week shout out to jake and alex russell friends of the show they took a third but garrett remember when we used to work on the ova beach tour and we we're trying to find ways to make the games competitive for the kids because if you no, beat no, me... no, hold on no, we weren't doing anything <laughs> bad okay 
We weren't like fudging things. No, no, but like what I mean in, in terms of like the seeding and the tiering and trying to yes. get kids in the right division, whether yes. you, do you cut it at nine, do you cut it at 12, like trying to make it a competitive, meaningful experience. Well, Norseka did not do that, Garrett. This was the first Norseka in my memory where each country only got one team, where usually there's two Americans, two Cubans, two Canadians. It, it was one because it was full of like Turks and Kinkos sent a team and all these other people. Garrett, out of all the two set matches that were played, there were 70. 46 were 14 and under. And there was a 21-0 that was not an injury forfeit. Cuba beat a team 21-0 and 21-3. So Norseka, I know it's like, oh, let's grow the game. Let's include these people. You have to tier it because you can't have countries like Turks and Kiko or U.S. Virgin Islands going to these tournaments and playing the USAs, the Cubas, the Canadians. Because if TJ beats me 21-6, I didn't get better and he didn't get better. It's a waste of time, actually. But there were so many matches at this freaking Norseka that it was just terrible where it just became a demonstration of who's the bigger bully, who could show off their countries like GDP more than the other country that literally 46 of 70 were considered a blowout Garrett if you draw the line at 14 or less points so this was worse than an OVA tournament because we used to fight to make sure that equal level teams were playing together this was an international tournament where like the matches didn't count until the semis so a few things there Josh I mean great clown of the week first of all oh, absolutely. absolutely I'm always down for Norseka as clown of the week absolutely happy for <laughs> yeah. that but it's again uh, low-hanging fruit Josh no problem but yeah I mean low-hanging fruit you, <laughs> Norseka's been your clown of the week maybe 10 times so I mean it's unsurprising Don't but a couple of things so you brought up you started with us being on the beach tour and then cycled back to say oh we used to do this thing that this other pro organization is so a self-hype clown of the oh, week yeah. oh. one Two, you congratulated Jake and Alex on coming third and then proceeded to tell us how it was the least competitive tournament <laughs> that we've ever seen. <laughs> yep, congrats, boys. You came third it, okay, so. and you you it was the, the worst tournament. So why didn't they win, John? <laughs> like, burying those guys third a bit. They, they didn't have a game until their semifinal where they lost to Big Bad Cuba. But I so mean, like... <laughs> They were gifted third place. It's like a free medal at the tournament, basically. Their quarterfinal, they 12 and 11 to team, and that wasn't the worst quarterfinal. Cuba beat a team 11 and 5 in an international quarterfinal, Garrett. Points on the line. So the, the team who came fourth then gets FIVB international points, could go and use those points to get into another tournament. 224 points for participating in a tournament. Just by showing up, Garrett, really, that's what they did. Right. Yeah, like one, some, one of my best results on Norseka ever, I got a silver medal, but our semifinal was terrible. So like you can get gifted some medals at those tournaments. It's absolutely clown of the week worthy, Josh. I mean, and it's just such a classic Josh clown of the week. Like, was that enjoyable for you to go through a whole tournament and only have one match in the final? Like, was that yes. a good three days for you? Absolutely. No, absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Uh, because it was in Dominican Republic, so you just enjoy the time while you're there, play the games. Absolutely. But, Josh, I got to call you out a little bit because your clowns of the week are, are like, so the same every time. <laughs> like, there's always a piece about you. There's a piece about shouting out somebody from Canada, and there's a piece about burying some, somebody. It's always the same there's handful of people you're burying. You know my runner-up, Garrett? My runner-up is... Uh, Wait, I, let I'm me guess your runner-up because... I'm involved. I'm involved. I'm with the York Lions this year, Garrett. And you know how U Sports teams, they always talk down about CCAA teams? Well, we got hour and showered by Fanshawe. And Sebastian Lethbridge, their starting setter, didn't, didn't even play. So shout-out to Pat Johnson for doing a great job at Fanshawe. Our guys thought they were made in the shade and it was going to be awesome and big, bad, you know, OUA team playing an OCAA team. 
hour and shower. We had to call the bus driver to be like, no, we're, we're ready to be picked up now. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're good. Well, yeah, I mean, you're coaching them. So, I mean, obviously it's <laughs> like, I'll take responsibility. I guess I was, it's not your the fault. Head coach. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't provide enough as an assistant coach. I didn't. I didn't talk about distributions or overload or we need to run more middle pipe. Like I, I wasn't there for the guys. So really, this is my fault. But yeah, it, it was. It was eye opening. We also, time. listener, could have had the first ever Josh versus Garrett in a coaching battle, and Josh folded up and left. Didn't come. Didn't show his face. Couldn't handle the pressure. So we missed that opportunity, Josh. Here's how close you and I are. I think we're as close as you and Jen are that I didn't even know you were with Douglas. So yeah, you were in the York gym and I was, I, I couldn't make that game, you know? I, yeah, I don't tell anybody anything, too. Josh. So you're actually <laughs> in my inner circle with that. If I tell you nothing, you're in my inner circle. So, I mean, there it is. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, we've digressed. So thanks for everybody for listening. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about because it's on, on my mind and Josh's mind. And I think TJ is a good guy to rein us both in because we're a bit nuts right now, Josh, generally. We're thinking we're big shooters now. Oh, helping out with teams. Like, come on. We're not even the guys and the program. Like, we're, what are we doing? We're just volunteering our time, basically. Yeah, I don't have a speaking um, role at all. So, But anyway, we're, we're like, so I'm assistant helping assistant coach with another team. So I'm, I'm in the assistant coach role, which is kind of a new thing for me. And you, I guess, are in the same position. You're in an assistant coach role and so that's a challenging i'm finding and i don't know if jay's listening i mean you know you've got a person who maybe was a head coach who's coached elsewhere and working with somebody as an assistant coach and i i'm trying to figure out how that works like how how i can bring the most value as an assistant coach and really make the best impression and i i don't have a great answer for it so maybe you guys can help me out like i don't i don't have a great solution to being my best assistant coach you know Sounds like something somebody should comment below, or Derek Deadman should give us some advice, Garrett, as I'm wearing this awesome shirt. It's my favorite shirt right now. What, is he uh, like an expert assistant or something? I don't know. He just seems like he has advice, and he's the only one who comments consistently. But uh, TJ, if you have any advice, I don't know what to... Garrett's not... Garrett's the worst of this. He went to Western, so they don't take stats or chart or do anything. So you're probably just sitting on your hands the whole game cheering? Like, what are you doing, Garrett? Well, I'm not I'm not statting. We want me to take stats? What are you talking about? That's not why I'm here. I'm get like you don't you didn't bring me on to do that. You brought me on for something else. So yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I don't know what I'm doing. It's a good question. I well, I mean, I would say I would say what do you okay, look back on when you were either with Western or when you were with Club or whatever it was. What was the best thing that an assistant coach did for you? And if it was nothing, then maybe you got to rethink this this role. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I guess maybe the conclusion is, here is I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm out. <laughs> hey, I mean, apology to Douglas College, but uh, what is the best assistant? What is the best thing an assistant coach ever did for me? That's a really great question, TJ. Are you sure you don't want to host this show? Like bringing the wisdom, asking nice questions of me. Jeez, man. Um, I don't know. I guess yeah, like. I guess the best thing was the assistant coach stepped up and then coached the team in the absence of the head coach and did it well. But that's like in a, in a, when you have a professional coach, that's less of a concern, right? Somebody's hired to do the job like, oh, they can't make it. Like, what, what, you know, like, what else are you doing? I hope like, that's not job? the actual metric is because then you're just sitting there waiting for the head coach to not be able right. to make it. And you're like, well, this is what I've been training for. Yeah, like that. that's not really a thing that's probably going to happen. So um yeah i don't know at western like i the assistant coach was just such a weird role um very judgmental and 
just didn't really do much for us, I think. Sorry, Jeff, but uh, um, ran some practice and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it wasn't a clear role. And then in my last year, my dad came and was the assistant coach and basically just like put pressure on the coach to make certain decisions or moves the whole time. So that's my frame of reference is like, they come in there and be kind of like a bit of an obnoxious, but maybe correct voice on the bench. Like that feels, that's tough. That feels bad, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, TG, where like the coach is maybe not doing something. Assistant coach goes, hey, are you going to take a timeout here? Or like, hey, are you going to make this substitution here? Um, which is just always such a challenging interaction to have with another person. I do think it's it's bizarre when the roles aren't clearly defined, you know, when it's just like, oh, the head coach has the authoritative position and they should be making these calls or they do literally have to make the call for the timeout and mm-hmm. other people are kind of the, you know, making the decisions behind there. I've never had that, that sort of situ- situation. It's more been the flip of, you know, the head coach is kind of just followed by a bunch of yes men or something like that, where especially in like a pro club where the head coach is the guy that's paid. And sometimes you might be in a situation where the assistant coaches are just you know, ex players or, or right. whatever. And they kind of just, yeah, cool. Good idea. Like, yeah, that makes sense. But I would say like in my experience, if I were to answer that question, I think I've definitely had multiple times where the head coach is a little bit like too busy thinking about a lot of things and trying to manage a lot of things. So you can have a little bit more, you know, personal relationships with an assistant coach. You can have like, they can help you. If I'm trying to look at something like blockers or whatever, I can have them be another set of eyes. I also think you can kind of support a player a little bit more than a head coach because the head coach is thinking about like this general well-being of the team where you can kind of go in and be like okay this guy's collapsing i can lift him out of that a little bit or vice versa he's like playing out of his mind and i'm going to celebrate that even more for him like i feel like you get to be a little bit more precise with your actions where a head coach has to be a little bit more general yeah that's a good point i mean you do have that opportunity because you that's really you don't have any like you you don't have any other responsibility right. on you is that what you're doing, Josh? It doesn't really seem like your style, though. Are you taking no, stats? Because I that wish we is... would have got TJ on the show two weeks ago. No, Garrett, I wasted time against <laughs> Brock. I was uh, charting shot charts by rotation and and like reception stats of what they were doing, and like it didn't it didn't give us any secrets. We still went to five with them, and like uh, even by the fifth set, I couldn't be like, oh, watching this rotation, they're gonna do this. It was kind of like, okay, when they pass well, they run their middle pipe option, and when they don't pass well, they dump it out to the pins. So like volleyball, Stop they it. played volleyball, Garrett. They... Do something about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the worst when you you like you do the shot chart and it's just like it's either a full spread like it's totally useless information or it's the most obvious thing and you knew it but you're still getting crushed. It's like in both cases you're kind of like, "Well, <laughs> what I what do I even do with this? You spent four sets statting that." And you're like, "Oh gosh, yeah, I knew that." <laughs> I feel like that's a very deep real fear of mine. That at like some point in my life, I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to do something like that. And just the self-pity of my waste of time would just be out of this world. I don't think I could handle it. I don't, and I don't know if I'm ready for an assistant coach job because I don't know if I could, if I could suffer through that, Josh. That's both yeah, I won't be doing and, it. Yeah. You know, the worst part, Gary, is Dave didn't even ask me to do it. I just thought that would help the team by charting. Like, it, it didn't help at all. And it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> And Did we you got a new sound of the week. <laughs> Did you show anyone? <laughs> hey, boys, look, this is how they're beating us. <laughs> Do something about it. <laughs> Figure it out, boys. <laughs> oh, Josh. So neither of us have really figured it out is really what we're, <laughs> what we're saying. 
Oh gosh. So yeah, I do have a bit of experience as assistant coach, but it was with my my partner when she was coaching a club team, and I was in there to work with her and help her be you know be a better coach. And that's a pretty clear role. Like I have the team, but we're working together, right? And there's only two. But when you're in like a a college or university setting where there's kind of a larger group, there's a few other assistant coaches. Like you know, the, do I do you just kind of coach delegates you and says, hey, I want you to focus on this. So you just do do the the best thing you can with what that is or do you challenge the coach a little bit and say well actually i think either i'm better served doing something else or no no no, that's not even important we should be focusing on this like then you can get into this really t- i don't know i'm very worried about pissing off other people by being too challenging and i i guess it's not a thing we've seen a lot well credit to dave he empowered me garrett i was going to be allowed to call the serving spots and i was going to be that but then it turned out we have uh out of the six guys who, who serve on our team five are spin servers and apparently you just don't call signs for them they just get the green light so it was me and the one float server trying to really snipe them up you know so that was a good <laughs> important role for me that every every six rotation i got to you know throw a sign up for our guy yeah i mean player of the week right there to josh nickel for the signs for that one single player i mean congrats to you man <laughs> I do wish that I heard these stories earlier. It would have made my clown and player of the week much clearer. <laughs> <laughs> no, clown of the week fruit. too. It's for those yeah, dumbass true. assistant coaches, Garrett and Josh. <laughs> yeah. easy, easy clowns of the week. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, that's why we didn't share it earlier, TJ, because we knew Mark. that internally. So it sounds like we got some soul searching to do, tires. Josh. Yeah, that's all yeah. you got to do, Garrett. Just catch him doing it right. Be the cheerleader. That's that's the best assistant coach role. Yeah, but but also. I feel like I'm like, I feel like I am. I, I don't know. I like, I'll do that. I'm not above doing that, but I feel like I have more to give, you know, like, am I going to go out once a week in games to like be kind of a cheerleader confidence building guy? I don't know. Like, is that how I'm best served? I mean, maybe, but uh, if it's it is, I, I need to know that. Cause then I, you know, need to kind of reconsider and think about what I'm doing. So, well, comment down below if you have any thoughts. That's a great question, though. What is the best thing an assistant coach ever did for you? Um, what about you, TJ? You didn't. You kind of answered that, but like, was there anything more specific? That's a tough I question. Know, I don't know. If, I don't know if the specifics are there, but I do think like I, I've, I've definitely had it where I've said, "Hey, can you just keep an eye out for this?" Right. And it's also just the kind of thing where it relieves a little bit of pressure off you that I don't got to be like thinking about so many things i know that there's another set of eyes on this as long as i obviously you got to trust your assistant coach and things like that um that is a tough one i do think like the the you know in a lot of situations you know if you're an assistant coach you might also be helping a lot with passing or with certain things and maybe you're like also a technical guy on those kind of parts like if i if i'm putting myself in a assistant coaching role i would obviously be working with the setters a bunch and that would be kind of like a part of what i'd be doing so I would assume that that would kind of translate to wherever you would be best served. Yeah, it. like does that mean I work with the left sides because I played left side? Like so that's where if you I'm... have if you have value there, or like maybe you just are working on their their sound bites after the game. Like what's the best thing to well, say? Well, no, they I'm definitely best, need. Best oh, that, I can give them some real help with that. How to make a nice yeah. sound bite? And we're gonna be drawing on the salty comments of Brenner to source that's that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you ever get interviewed after a game, you have to say that the game didn't matter if you lost. <laughs> and that's yeah. just one of If I come out of retirement and go play on the American Volleyball Beach Volleyball League, I think that's what it stands for, um, yeah. then yeah, that's what I'll be sure to say. Well, I mean, you and I are both free agents, TJ. And yeah. 
I mean, and you have, got that I, silver at Norseka, so I mean, yeah, the last tournament I played and I won. So I mean, wow. Have you officially announced your retirement? I did for the indoor team, for like the national team, yeah. Right, but not officially for everything except the indoor national team. I mean, you could even go back on that. Not that you would, but you could, right? What does oh, that even I mean? I fully could. It's actually, it is funny because I've, I've always kind of like prefaced that when I'm talking about it. Oh, like, so I saw you announce your retirement. Well, I could come back if I wanted to. <laughs> or not, not if I wanted to, but if it was like accepted and if it was whatever. But I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not. I, not that I would and not that that's in the plan and not that like the, the team kind of needs to head in a different direction. But at the same time, it's just, it's just words, words on a page. Yeah. Well, and that's why I haven't done it, TJ. I haven't formally announced my retirement. So you and I are still in the game. I'm yep. still a free agent. So if any pro teams out there are looking for, a, you know, an experienced left side in their physical prime, nah, you need some work. Um, there, You got one here. I don't think anybody's going to become Colin, but... Uh, and nobody's really asked to be my beach partner either, so... There's still I guess leagues that have assumes. the player coach, Garrett. I mean, if you're willing to go low enough, you can still be a player coach. Low, low enough If level? you're willing to go low enough. What a great... <laughs> like, well, low enough level? You're not going to be a player coach in, like, the Italian or Polish league, but if you're willing to go to, like, Portugal Tier 2, they might have a job for you. I mean, I'll run it, I'll run it by the wife first to make sure but hey you want to go live in portugal for a year while i player coach in a tier two indoor volleyball league you know what <laughs> saying it like that, it's an uh, it's an it's an i think that's a hard yes there's worse places it's a hard yes worse places yeah okay yeah. well i don't know they the, pay speaking, for our meals yeah <laughs> speaking of how low you're willing to go this is how low I'm willing to go with this show. So this is this is the low point, and I think we need to cut it off there. I think it's a good time for that. So, TJ, thanks so much for joining us, man. It's always a blast having you on. So hopefully we can have you on again um, and chat about the Women's World Championship victory or something like that. I don't know, because that's going to happen, right? So um, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, really appreciate it. Always always enjoy it. It's always a blast. And another huge shout-out to the to the women's team. That's It's been epic. It's been fun to watch, and it's... It's cool. They're on this like big trajectory going into Olympic qualifiers next summer, and it's pretty sweet. Wow. That's great. I, if you're still listening, you're probably not. But if you are, thank you so much. Hit subscribe button, five-star the podcast, comment down below. Hit Josh up on Instagram and let him know that you want to see more posts. Follow TJ on Instagram as well um, and all that great stuff. Josh, anything you want to leave the people with? Yeah, we can't get used to this, Garrett. We can't get used to the women's success. We have to celebrate it every single day. So if we can't use the women's success, how about we have one on the show once in a while, Josh? Or no, you know, okay, no, no, okay. They're uh, a little right, busy well, the next two weeks, Gary. We'll get one. We'll get one. Okay, nice. I, I put my faith in Josh. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.